Well, it's always our pleasure to welcome on and say hello to Tim Brando joining us on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Great to be with you for another week talking some Big 12 football. Tim, great to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us. You were doing the Kansas State-Texas Tech game over the weekend. How stunned were you when you heard that Matt Wells was fired on Monday? Well, let me begin by giving you a stat fact on college football uh, as it relates to sports television, uh, Pete. Uh, There is no broadcasting crew in America that is more feared by coaches, head coaches in particular, than Spencer Tillman and Tim Brando. We are two for two in uh, having coaches fired after games we called. Uh, Clay Helton got the boot after we called the Stanford game in week two. Oh. And now this to, to Matt Wells. Uh, if so, I don't know. I don't know how receptive. Well, Gundy just got a new, you know, rollover contract, so he should be safe. <laughs> and and I'm guessing Leipold, who's a friend of mine, I've known him for a long, long time. You know, he's got to be okay. They don't want to be paying off more coaches in Kansas, so I think they're probably okay. <laughs> I think you're good. But this anybody week. else that is in uh, our future probably. We'll be ducking anytime Spencer comes to town. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I've ever – I've had coaches get fired after games I called because of, uh, you know, circumstances that were, you know, maybe a little bit bizarre. Nolan Richardson, his career ended uh, years ago in basketball after I did his last game at Mississippi State, and I knew him well. I, sometimes you have an inkling, you know, that there's a controversy going on and something may happen. But, you know, the thing with um, – the thing with Helton was surprising because they were, it was like their first loss, yeah. you know, of the year. And I mean, we knew he was on a hot seat at USC, but didn't expect that. And Matt Wells came out of nowhere. I mean, this one was one that just um, blew me away. And I, I know uh, and respect Matt uh, in full disclosure, but I also uh, think a lot of Kirby Hocutt, who I think is one of the best uh uh, athletic directors of his generation. Uh, <laughs> man, oh man, I think it signals a, a big uh, a change in, in, in the way business is being conducted uh, post-COVID and, dur- pre, uh, and pre-realignment and NIL. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone seems to be in a big hurry to, uh, you know, get things settled down before all of this movement, all of this transition uh, is is complete so that all their quote-unquote uh, ducks are in a row when uh, everything settles down from this really transformative period, I think, from COVID forward through this year. It just seems we're in this uh, real uh, unsettled place in college football all across the board. And um, I got to figure that that has something to do with why we're seeing so much of what we're seeing happen, not just at Texas Tech and at USC, but at LSU and God knows how many other places around the country. Well, we, Tim, haven't even uh, we haven't had a chance to talk to you in the last several weeks since all the realignment drama happened here for us in the Mm -hmm. Big 12, not knowing Mm -hmm. if there was going to be a Big 12. How do you think the conference did and and what do you make of this league's future in general? I was one of the ones uh, you might recall that was saying, hey, stop jumping off bridges there in the Big 12. You're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I believe Bob Bowlesby would um, would resurface, and I thought he would come out looking strong, and I think he did. Uh, look, there's no replacing Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, 
I mean, that's, I mean, those are two of the biggest brands in the game. But uh, everyone, the narrative around college football, around the, 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 the media world, I mean, all of the media world, was that it's dead and buried. Big 12 is history. <laughs> well, you know, that certainly wasn't the case and isn't the case. And, in fact, I think it'll still have the third best contract for television of any league in America uh, once the, de- the dust is settled. Uh, it, who those contracts are with, what parties are involved, you know, we'll have to wait and see when the new TV deals are done uh, in the 24-25 season. Mm-hmm. But they're going to be fine with the acquisitions they made. Um, you know, let's say, for instance, Cincinnati does get in the playoff. How, how good is that for the Big 12? Yeah. I think it's awfully good. I'll make a case that it's better for the Big 12 that Cincinnati gets there than Oklahoma gets there this year, without question. Uh you know, they may be in your league now, but we all know what's going to happen with Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So it's in the better – I think it's in the best interest. I don't think anybody's going to say anything publicly about it, but I really believe that it's better for the Big 12 to have Cincinnati get there this year than it would be even for Oklahoma um, if they were the team that uh, that managed to get out of the Big 12 and into the playoff this year, which is a distinct possibility. Uh, to, to, to bring in BYU – and Cincinnati, and they're really the best of the American Conference, to go to go along with BYU, who I believe wants in by as early as 23, and you know potentially could get there even sooner. I think uh, we'll see. Um, is an outstanding thing, and uh, if Oklahoma and Texas were to bolt uh, more quickly than anticipated, uh, meaning before their grant of rights runs out and they have to pay up to the extent that they have to pay up. That's a lot of revenue to come in. And uh, I think the potential of, say, uh, a Houston uh, paying the, the grant of rights to get out early uh, of the American and coming on over to the Big 12, I think the potential for that is is there. So if Texas and, and OU bolt and uh, they need to get to 10 teams, I think they will Interesting. Um, get to 10 teams as soon as possible. So – you know, but 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 in terms of television rights, right now after the SEC and the Big Ten, they make more money than the ACC, and they will continue to make more money than the ACC in football. Uh, and um, and the Pac-12 is obviously another league that's got its deal that's got to be done at the same time, and uh, and we'll see what transpires. But once everything settles down and all four of those teams get into the league. Uh, then I think they're going to be fine. That's a very sellable, marketable product mm-hmm. that the Big 12 has in a portion of the country that uh, networks value. You know, college football's uh, heartbeat, its, its, its pulse is in the, uh, the Sun Belt and the Rust Belt areas of our country. And, uh, you know, not all of them are in the SEC and the Big 10. The Big 12 has a, a very big stake in college football and in its history. So, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, so the the um, you know the uh, thoughts of the presumed death of the Big Twelve were were overstated, and uh, the job done by by Bowlesby, in my mind, a bit underappreciated. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of people he became he became a whipping boy of sorts for the yeah. media. Yeah. Uh, in the aftermath of Texas and Oklahoma leaving, and whether the SEC likes this or not. And I frankly don't care whether they do or they don't. Uh, the narrative now amongst everyone involved in college football, meaning the major players of the power conferences, the narrative is 
the SEC poached two teams while in the midst of negotiating uh, a, a college football playoff expansion to 12 teams with a quartet of leaders of which Bob Bowlesby and Greg Sankey were part. And this was done with full knowledge by the conference commissioner of the SEC. And he never said a word about it. So you know what? You, you want to know why there's alliance uh, formed between those leagues, even though there's not a contract. Well, the reason why that, that, that alliance is formed is to make sure the SEC knows you may be the big dog, but you, you are not the emperor. You, you do not run our sport. That's why that, that, that little dog and pony show took, uh, took place a few, a few weeks back. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, uh, it was interesting how that played out. Tim Brando's joining us. Mm-hmm. So now before we continue with Tim Brando, uh, what is a lock in sports betting? A lock is simply put a bet where you can't lose. And with my bookie, you can't lose on their NBA lock of the season. I know, you know, you're obviously a college football fan, but you're also a sports fan. And if you place a bet on either team to score between the Dallas Mavericks and the Denver Nuggets, and when the first bucket hits, you win. So let me put it like this. An NBA game has never gone scoreless, so you know this is a lock. It doesn't get any easier. All right, you've got superstars on both sides of the thing, and that's not all. Get paid Friday, wake up Saturday, and throw down on UFC 267. On Saturday night, my bookie's giving all users a $100 risk-free wager on the light heavyweight championship main event fight. So don't wait. Go to mybookie.com now. Use our promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, and my bookie will instantly double your first deposit. That's promo code BIG12, so you can double your funds to double your winnings. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie, a longtime sponsor here at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and they've got great deals. We're placing our Big 12 bets with them this weekend. MyBookie.com promo code Big 12. That's Big 1 2. Tim, I mean, that leads me to my next point. You've been very vocal, very critical in many ways about where this sport is right now. It's inability to appeal on on uh, as massive a scale as it could, and you've talked about the playoff a lot. This expansion could be happening. What does the sport uh, need to do? Is it on the right path, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I think it is on the right path. Uh, I, I do. And, and by the way, I was not uh, I was not one of those critical of the SEC for getting Oklahoma and Texas. Mm-hmm. Now I might I might pass judgment on the. the the manner in which they did it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, but I still think that uh, the commissioner of the SEC took a major step. I think Sankey took a major step towards saying, "Okay, this is the future of intercollegiate athletics. We've got NIL to deal with. We're going to have to pay for this. I got to make sure that my constituents are getting as much money as possible because costs of operations are going up, and they are." So he made that move, and he and it was a Trump. It was a trump card move. I mean, but but the others had to answer. The other leaders had to step up, and they did. I thought Bowlesby's reaction was uh, stern, strong. I mean, to send a cease and desist letter to the uh, management at ESPN and go public with it, I mean, Pete, that's been going on behind closed doors for a long time, but never in such a public manner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Never was were, were we able to see – how how angry, okay, uh, and um, how how PO'd the uh, uh, the leader of one conference was towards another. You know, they, these guys all love to tell you how collegial they are, 
how they have more in common than they than than people think. And uh, you know, we have a we have a really good working relationship, and then they can't agree on anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's the way it's been. But this time, uh, Bowlesby spared. I mean, he just went all in. I mean, guns a blazing, and said what he did. And the implication was pretty strong that that he felt that ESPN was using the American Conference to tamper. I mean, it was. And again, uh, Mike Oresco is a dear friend of mine, a commissioner of the American. He he flatly denies it. It's been denounced by ESPN. You can say whatever you want to say, okay? But it happened, and it's up to the people that watch it and keep up with it to discern who's who's telling the truth and who isn't. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think. You know, for any sport to grow, you you have to you, leaders have to be willing to take steps that are going to piss off some of their brethren. And uh, I think these are growing pains in a positive way. I mean, I really do. And ultimately, I think what we're going to wind up with, because I think all of the the pundits that follow this, all of the writers, the scribes that I trust, that are investigative reporters that keep up with such things have indicated that uh, the realignment situation is going to have to take care of itself before we see expansion of the college football playoff. And I think that is a direct uh, reaction to what started with the SEC's procurement of Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, Mm -hmm. if that had not happened, the 12-team playoff would have already been approved and announced by now. Okay? That went back to April. When that was, you know, when they first said to us, hey, we're going to expand and we think by, you know, the October we're going to have a meeting and our presidents are all going to agree. Remember all that? Well, those meetings have come and gone and there's been no vote about anything. And there's not going to be a vote about anything until the realignment is officially done. And um, what it speaks to, I think, is uh, a thought process from the commissioners that, Look, our next TV deals are going to be the most critical television contracts we ever get done. So let's make sure we get through that. And the networks have to know what they're buying. They have to know who's in what league before they'll settle on what they're going to do from a business standpoint. And then at that point, the college football playoff deal is close to over. It will be within a, say, 12 to 24-month period before the the contract that we're, we're in the middle of right now is coming to an end. Uh, and whether we get to the end of that contract or we don't, uh, I think the future will allow not only for more teams to be in the playoff, but for more networks to be involved in covering the playoff. Yeah. And, uh, that means, that means greater revenues for all. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because we're not talking about millions of dollars. Now we're talking about billions with a B and, uh, as much money as Disney has, and as much money as, as Fox Corp has, uh, or anybody else that wants to get involved, if you're talking about anything in excess of $2 billion in rights fees, it's going to take more than one carrier uh, to get a, a deal done. And, that, and again, that's great for college football because the NFL cornered the market on popularity by you know, making sure that every network wanted a piece of that pie. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they've gotten. You know, Pete Rozelle was a marketing genius. Uh, he knew what he was doing. And, and college football, for whatever reason, uh, since the 84 lawsuit was brought uh, by Georgia and Oklahoma to, to, to wrest it away from the NCAA, college football has made more money, yes, but has always left a lot of money on the table. 
And they got to get all that money that they've been leaving on the table into the coffers so that they can take the sport into the next generation. Tim Brando is joining us. Tim, last thing on the Big 12. You've got Oklahoma State this weekend. They're in the Big 12 race. OU's up there. Iowa State's playing good uh, good football again. Baylor's in the mix. How do you see this right. Big 12 shaking out the next uh, five weeks or so? Well, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I, the Oklahoma State-Kansas uh, game suddenly takes on a whole different meaning after what KU did last week, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're thinking walkover, and who knows? It may well be. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe Kansas uh, – you know, shot their wad against Oklahoma, and they got nothing left. But I don't believe that because, you know, Lance Leipold is a good, solid new coach there that knows how to build programs from the ground up. He's a championship coach at the D3 level, did a hell of a job at Buffalo, and uh, I wish him well. I look forward to talking with him this week uh, in preparation for the game, as I do with Mike Gundy as well. Um the Cowboys, I think, maybe if, if Spencer Sanders is doing the job and protecting the ball, uh, the Cowboys still may be in the in the best spot, even though they lost uh, last week to Iowa State. I like their positioning and the fact that Bedlam is in Stillwater at the end of the year. Uh, now they've got to react favorably and, and get the job done against Kansas, but when I look at what's left in the schedule and who they've already played, and who they have in front of them, uh, I like I like where they are. Uh, Iowa State is playing better now. Baylor is awfully good, but I don't know if they can score enough to, to win. Uh, Texas isn't going to win it, but they might figure into the equation in, in determining who does. And, um, and Bedlam at the season uh, finale could be just unbelievable. I mean, that game could be off the charts good. So, it's anybody's guess who's going to win it. Um, Oklahoma, to me, without question, is the team that uh, almost always has the best players, but I'm not sure they all play as one uh, as as maybe the best team. I think Oklahoma State, frankly, is playing the best complementary football when their offense isn't turning it over. If Spencer Sanders is right, then I think they're doing a hell of a job and have a chance to win every game they play. Certainly could have won the game uh, with Iowa State. I mean, they very easily – they were in position to win it. Couldn't hold on, but the Cyclones are a damn good team and uh, dropped some early, but Matt Campbell's team is trying to make a statement. They got a lot of super seniors and a lot of five-year guys on their team that came back to play so they could win a title. And in Ames, uh, they're not worried about the playoff as much as they were worried about winning a championship. You know, because it hasn't happened there in so very long. I don't I don't even think you could remember the league they were in when they last won a, a conference title. So uh, all those teams are in the mix, but um, I wouldn't rule out uh, either Oklahoma or Oklahoma State being in a position to crack uh, the playoff if, if they were to win out. You know, Oklahoma State has some credibility about them, uh, even though they lost. What a treat talking with Tim Brando here on the show. I'm Pete Mundo. Leave that rating and review on iTunes. That's how you get a free Heartland College Sports koozie. Send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we've got a koozie waiting for you in the mail. It's a small way to help this show out. It'll take you 30 seconds, and thank you guys for doing it, being a part of it. Got 500 and some odd ratings and reviews now. And don't forget about my bookie. 
Great partners of this show. Use our promo code BIG12 to double your first time deposit at mybookie.com. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon. So that list still very much alive in the um, championship picture of the Big 12 with an outside shot of cracking the top four. Might need a little help. I don't see Cincinnati losing. But any of those other teams that are out there, uh, the Big Ten could flat out blow up before your very eyes. I mean, starting this week with Michigan, Michigan State, and then uh, Ohio State, you know, still having to play not not just Penn State this week, but, you know, Michigan later on. So uh, there's a lot out there yet to be determined, Pete. We cannot wait to follow it. He's Tim Brando, Fox Sports, going to be on the uh, KU Oklahoma State call this weekend. Tim, we always appreciate your time. Thanks for being here. You bet, Pete, anytime.